Have you ever heard a bad sermon? I've heard some bad sermons. Those sermons where you think it's a half hour and it's five minutes. And you actually start praying for the return of the Lord. Uh, but uh, I've not heard a bad one here uh, from the young preachers we have in our church. I have to stop calling them young. They're all, uh, they're all awesome. Uh, every year, uh, I have a study month because I'm not smart enough to preach uh, uh, Sunday after Sunday without doing a whole bunch of book reading. And during that study month, uh, the other good preachers in our church, they, they preach here. And they do an awesome job. And, and I think if you gave them a chance, you'd like it better than what you think. And uh, so the, the, the preaching uh, series starts uh, next Sunday, and uh, uh, my daughter Sarah is going to preach. And after she preaches, you'll say, well, you can take another month off. Uh, we are a very blessed congregation to have uh, uh, th these uh, lovers of Jesus Christ who uh, know how to open the scriptures and speak to our heart in a persuasive way. And frankly, I'm looking forward to hearing them. Uh, my heart gets blessed every time. So uh, uh, say something nice to them. Uh, if you don't like their sermon, tell somebody at the gas station. Uh, <laughs> say something nice and encouraging to them. Uh, it, would be a, it would be a blessing to them. And it's harder to stand up here and talk to you people than you know. So uh, you say something encouraging, and, uh, and uh, I don't think it'll be hard for you to do. They're going to do an awesome job. Dear Heavenly Father, Uh, we acknowledge to you that we carry around within us something broken, an ugliness, and uh, it lingers, and it resists our best efforts. And so we acknowledge that we need your uh, good work in our souls because without your help we can't ever become the good people you want us to be and so we ask this morning that you would give us grace to acknowledge that we're broken you would give us uh, uh, faith to acknowledge that Christ is the answer to our brokenness and then uh, you would inspire us uh, to trust in you wholly. And I ask that through Jesus, our Lord, amen. In my mind, 
I can see a man who's somewhere between 45 and 50. He's wearing the rags of a slave. His hair is long and tangled and uh, uh, wild-looking. His wrists have bronze cuffs on them, and a chain runs from one bronze cuff to the other. He's sitting on the ground beside a stone grinding mill, eating a piece of stale bread and several bites of cheese before it's time for him to get up again and push the grinding mill around and around and around. But what is most sad about his appearance is it's obvious that someone has stabbed him in both eyes and he's stone blind. Every day is an ugly uh, replica of the day before. Every day he gets up and pushes the grinding stone until quitting time. He sleeps the sleep of the restless. And if you could look behind his blind eyes, you would hear his thoughts of regret, of wasted opportunity, of the loss of a life that could have been if somehow he could have mastered his tragic flaws. His name is Samson. We read his story in the book of Judges. Samson's dad's name was Manoah, and Manoah and his wife had no children. And it was a great sorrow in their life. And one day a divine messenger showed up to speak to Manoah and his wife and said, you're going to have a child, and he's going to be special to the Lord. Manoah said to this messenger, what is your name? And the messenger said to him, Odd you should ask, my name is wonderful. Is it possible that the wonderful messenger of God might have a message for you today? Is it possible that if you opened your heart to Christ, God might have a wonderful message for you? that there is freedom and hope, that there is real delivery from the ugliest part of our souls. And Samson grew up to be unique. He was an only child. His mom and dad fawned over him. They gave him everything they could give him, and he grew up to be truly unique. The problem was he knew it and it made him arrogant, entitled, and self-indulgent. The older he became, the more obvious 
his deep character flaws were. He was the kind of guy that everybody should have liked, but no one did because he was arrogant, entitled, and self-indulgent. And Samson began to live a secret life. He lived one life in front of everybody who knew him, but privately and in his heart, he lived a very different life. It first showed itself when Samson began to date a Philistine girl. The Israelites and the Philistines were sworn enemies. Uh, they were constantly at conflict. And for, uh, for um, Samson to date a Philistine girl, uh, there couldn't have been anything worse for his mom and dad. There couldn't have been anything worse uh, uh, for his friends. You say that sounds a bit prejudiced. Well, you have to put yourself in the context. Uh, the Philistines and the Israelites regularly killed each other. Do you understand that? They regularly killed each other. They had about a 400-year-long war. And uh, generation after generation... Uh, they killed each other. And every Israelite had a family member that a Philistine had killed. And the Philistines all had family members that the Israelites had killed. And so Samson's secret affair with the Philistine woman was a tragedy. But what really made it bad was Samson kept it secret. Until one day he told his parents... I'm going to marry this Philistine girl. And uh, he, he left his house, and he was going to visit her. And uh, the book of uh, Judges says that while he was walking to see her, a lion, a young lion, rushed out at him. And uh, Samson was unusually strong and agile, and he killed the lion and threw its carcass in the ditch. And the scripture says, he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Samson started living a progressively more secret life. Several months later, he was on the same pathway and uh, he saw the lion's carcass, but wild uh, honeybees had built a nest in the carcass, and it was full of honey. And so Samson scooped out a bunch of that wild honey, and he took it home to his parents. Now, his parents would have never eaten it because they had dietary laws that, uh, that would have said that it was defiled. So you know what? He just didn't tell him where it came from. His secret life just kept expanding. Solomon, I mean, Samson made a deal. It doesn't, I'm preaching about Samson today. If I say Solomon, just disregard it. Uh, go with what I'm thinking, not what I'm saying. Uh, 
So there was a pre-wedding reception. And at this pre-wedding reception, uh, uh, 30 of uh, Samson's girlfriends and Samson's friends came. And uh, Samson said to these 30 guys, he said, uh, uh, betting is legal in Ohio now. Uh, let's make a bet. And uh, the guy said, well, what do you want to bet? He said, I'll bet I can make a riddle that you can't solve. And they said, what are the, what are the stakes? And he said, if you don't guess my riddle, all of you have to give me one suit of clothes. If you do guess my riddle, I'll give all of you one suit of clothes. And they said, all right, let's hear the riddle. So Samson said, uh, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And these guys had about a month before the wedding to figure out the riddle. Well, they couldn't figure it out. So they got mad, and they went to Samson's girlfriend's house, and they said to Samson's girlfriend and to her dad, you tell us the answer to this riddle, or we're going to burn your house down. Uh, so... Samson's girlfriend, sweet-talked him. And uh, Samson spilled the riddle. Uh, the answer to the riddle was, what is stronger than a lion and what is sweeter than honey? It came from killing the lion and uh, the beast. So the day that the wedding was supposed to happen... Before the wedding, Samson was feeling all full of himself, and he said to the guys, hey, did you guess my riddle? And one of them said, as a matter of fact, we did. Samson said, what is the answer? And they said, what is stronger than a lion, and what is sweeter than honey? And Samson was instantly infuriated. And listen to what he said. If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would have not solved my riddle. Now, ladies, I don't know about you, but uh, that doesn't sound like a very romantic thing to say on your wedding day. And he stormed off. He stormed off. He went to another city and secretly murdered 30 Philistines, took their clothes, brought them back, dropped them off at his girlfriend's house, and uh, uh, went home in a rage. Uh, Samson didn't recognize it, but everyone around him recognized that there was something way out of control in his, in his life. Uh, he made excuses for it, but there was a raging ugliness within him that he was 
powerless to master himself. So, uh, about a month or two later, Samson's anger went away. He went back to his girlfriend's house. I knocked on the door. Her dad answered, and he said, I'd like to hang around with my girlfriend for a while. He goes, his dad said, yeah, that's not going to be possible. And he said, why? Uh, the dad said, well, I thought you hated her, so we went on with the, we went on with the wedding, and, he, and she married your best man. Samson's rage came up again. And he trapped foxes, 300 foxes. And he tied their tails together. And he lit torches and tied the torches to their tails and turned the foxes loose in the harvest uh, grain and in the, uh, and in the Philistine orchard. And uh, he literally destroyed most of the crops of the Philistine nation that, uh, that they had spent the whole season growing. Uh, not thinking there'll be repercussions for this. And so the Philistines were so mad, they said, you burn down our crops, we're going to come to your country, we're going to have a battle and a war, we're going to kill a bunch of you, and we'll take your crops. So the, um, the, uh, the Israelite soldier said, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, we'll, hand, we'll, we'll, we'll hand Samson over to you. You don't have to kill us all. So Samson was staying at a, a rocky place uh, uh, called Etam. And 300 Israelite soldiers, uh, uh, 3,000 Israelite soldiers came and said to him, Dude, I don't know what you're thinking, but we're not taking a, we're not taking a hit for this. We're going to give you over to the Philistines. And uh, Samson said, "Promise me that you won't stab me in the back, and I'll go with you." They said, "We'll we're not going to hurt you. We're just going to give you over to the Philistines." So Samson went with them, and when the Philistines saw him, they ran toward him. And the, and the book of Judges says, the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. And Samson went into a battle rage. And he killed enough Philistines that the other Philistines were willing to say, okay, maybe we'll let this go. And they went home. But they said, there's got to be another way to get this guy. If we can't physically take him in battle, there's got to be another way to get him. And so they knew Samson's uh, 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 tendency to philander. And they found a uh, beautiful woman named Delilah of the Valley of Sorak. And they said, we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver if you get Samson to tell you what makes him so strong. 
she said done get your money together so uh, Delilah Delilah and uh, uh, she did everything she could to please Solomon she did uh, uh, Samson okay no, no matter what I say it's Samson And uh, Samson, in his arrogance, couldn't see that she was playing him. She said, please tell me where your great strength lies. How might you be bound that one could subdue you? You had to be totally blind. You had to be totally blind not to see what's happening. But you see, our worst character flaws do blind us. That's the point. And so, so uh, Solomon said to her, well, here's the trick. If you took seven new bow strings, the strings for a bow and arrow that have never been used, and you tied me up with those, uh, I would be as weak as anybody else. She told the Philistines, they got seven new bowstrings. They brought them over to her house. Uh, uh, she whined and dined Samson. He fell asleep. They tied him up with the seven strings. And uh, Delilah shouted to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he jumped up and broke the bowstrings. And then... She acted so, oh, so, how could you do this to me? You lied to me. I can't believe it. You don't really love me. If you loved me, you wouldn't treat me this way. Uh, several weeks later, uh, uh, Samson visited her again, and, and she said, no, come on. You can trust me. Just trust me. Uh, so Samson said, if you tied me up with new ropes that have never been used, I would be as weak as any other man. And so uh, she wind him, dined him. He fell asleep. They tied him up with the new ropes. Uh, Delilah shouted, the Philistines are upon you. He jumped up, broke the ropes, and now she's, I mean, she's crying real co crocodile tears now. I don't believe it. I can't trust you. Uh, 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 I, thought, I thought you loved me. Uh, uh, uh. Samson's totally blind to it. Totally blind to it. He came back again. She started in again. Come on. Tell me. I won't tell anyone. It'll be our secret. It'll be a special bond we have together. Samson said, You see my hair, how long it is? If you, uh, Samson was a Nazarite, and, and part of being a Nazarite was you didn't cut your hair. Uh, he said, If you weaved my hair into a, a, a braid of seven locks, 
I would be as weak as anybody else. So she wines and dines him. He falls asleep. They braid his hair. She shouts, the Philistines are upon you. He jumps up. Uh, it has no effect on him at all. And then Delilah said, how can you say you love me when your heart is not with me? Is, is, is that her heart wasn't with him? She wanted the 1,100 pieces of silver. You've mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Ah, uh, Samson could only take so much nagging. And, uh, uh, and finally he said to her, I am a Nazarite. Uh, my head is... Uh, 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 a razor has never touched my head. He said, if you shave my head, I will be as weak as any other man. And the way he said it, Del Delilah knew he told the truth. And so she sent a message to the lords of the Philistines and said, bring your troops down here, I've got him. And she whined and dined him. And he fell asleep. And uh, Delilah shaved his head. And she said, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he jumped up and shook himself like he did every other time. But the author of the book of Judges said he didn't understand that the Holy Spirit had left him. And for the first time in his life, he was subdued. And the Philistines weren't content with just subduing him. They gouged out his eyes. And they made him a slave. And year after year, he did the work of a donkey. Donkeys pushed or pulled the uh, grinding mills. And day after day, Samson remembered who he was and who he could have been and the life that he had wasted. In his regret, he remembered the opportunities he had. He remembered the kindness of his mom and dad. He remembered how special they treated him. He remembered what it was like to be on top. And now, he was a blinded, common slave. His life was ruined and wasted by his deep inner flaws. I'm not telling you this story for you to think poorly of Samson. I'm telling you this story 
because there's a little bit of Samson in every single one of us. You understand that? There's a bit of Samson in every single one of us. One day, the Philistines decided to have a big party and to celebrate their greatness. And somebody got the idea, let's bring Samson so everybody can see the guy that everyone was afraid of and what we did to him. And they went down to the grinding mill. They got Samson. They brought him to their big celebration. They were in a, a, a large temple to one of their deities. And uh, uh, people were mocking Samson and saying, oh, not so tough now, are you? Uh, and uh, and, and uh, uh, he, was the, uh, he was the focus of every insult. And Samson said to a young man there, would you take me to the middle pillar of this temple? I'm tired, I'd like to lean against it. And it turned out that the temple had two pillars that held up the roof. And uh, the book of Judges says that Samson stood by those two pillars and he remembered the Lord and he prayed. He said to the Lord, would you strengthen me one more time that I can have revenge on my enemies? Then he said, and by the way, I'm done. Would you please just let me die here today? And the book of Judges says that Samson uh, bowed himself and pressed against those two pillars and pushed them off balance and the whole place collapsed and 3,000 Philistines died that day in the collapse of the temple. But so did Samson. And his story ends with this epilogue. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eschatol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. Uh, Samson lived a tragic life and died a tragic death, alone, surrounded by his enemies. But I have been to funerals like Samson's. I've been to funerals where everybody said, this person had incredible potential. It's too bad that their life went so bad wrong. I, I, I've been to the funeral where uh, drugs ruined all the potential of a young life. I've been to the funeral where deep character flaws made everyone at the funeral 
uh, more sorrowful because the tales of the life were predominantly sad. Church, we all need to look at our own souls and say, Samson is a wake-up call to every single one of us. I'm asking you to do three things this morning. The first thing I'm asking you to do is to acknowledge that you have a deep character flaw that you are powerless to overcome by yourself. If you don't think you have a flawed character, you have deceived yourself and the truth is not in you. I'm not asking you to compare yourself to somebody who's worse than you are. We can, you can always find somebody worse. I'm asking you to compare yourself to your best self. I'm asking you to compare yourself to God's great idea for you. And I'm asking you for, to be brutally honest and say, this flaw in my character, if I could have fixed it, I would have fixed it a long time ago. Can't we all admit that? Don't we have flaws in our character that repeat themselves again and again, and if we could fix it, we would have fixed it a long time ago? So we have to begin, we have to begin with the very first step. And the very first step is, I get brutally honest with myself. And I stop giving myself excuses, I stop playing games, and I say honestly to myself, this is a character flaw that has the potential to keep me from being who God created me to be. And I recognize that I can't fix it myself. Church, that is the beginning. That's where God starts doing his best work. So when I say, I know I'm flawed and I can't fix it, the next thing I say is, if I can't fix it, who can? And this is dangerous. We start looking to people around us and expecting them to fix us. And somehow or another, we pawn off on them the responsibility of our flaws. Another Samson move. Samson never took the blame for his own ugliness. He always pawned it off on somebody else. Uh, you can't fix your deep flaw, and the people around you can't fix your deep flaw. Do you get it? They aren't capable. No matter how much they love you and how much they want to, they aren't capable. But there is someone who is capable. He is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you hear this? Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to call people who didn't need any help. I came into the world to call sinners. Listen, the very thing that is ruined about your character, the very thing that is ugly, the very thing that shames you, that, that personal flaw, that's exactly what Christ came into the world to seek, to heal, to forgive. You get it? The thing you can't fix, 
That's exactly what Jesus Christ came into the world to fix. The ugliness that you can't restore, Christ came into the world to restore. The brokenness that is beyond your ability, that's exactly what Christ came into the world to restore. The, the, the ruined character that was so obvious in Samson, it was that that Jesus died on the cross to heal and forgive. I can't fix myself, but Jesus Christ can. And not only can he, he wants to. Do you understand that? He is the good physician. It is your sickness that he wants to heal. It is your brokenness that he wants to bind up. It is what is ruined in your soul that he wants to restore. I'm broken, and I can't fix myself. Jesus Christ came to fix what is most ugly and broken in all of us. And then there's a third thing that I have to do. I have to say to Christ, uh, I surrender my will and my life to you. This is pretty easy. I can't. Christ can, so I trust Christ. You see, uh, in the very same way that Samson lived this secret life, when we live a secret life, we think we're hiding what's worst about ourselves from God. But how silly is that? Do you really think you can hide anything from God? Is it, does it not seem self-deceived to say, uh, if I just keep this part of my heart covered up, God won't know it? Church? So, I acknowledge I'm broken and I can't fix it. I say I can't fix it and the people around me can't fix it. If I could, I would have done it a long time ago. And then I say, but there is one who can fix it. He is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I take what is most broken and ugly about who I am and I offer it to Jesus Christ. You hear it? I just stop playing games, and I say to Christ, you know it, and I know it. I have a broken soul. I have an ugly heart. I have uh, the thing that we most dislike about ourselves. We just get honest with Christ and say, I'm starting a new relationship with you, and now I'm not denying that I'm broken, and I'm not playing any more games with myself, I am in partnership with you, and I trust you to manage my life in a way that I can't manage it myself. Church, do you hear that? We simply say to Christ, I trust you. I am surrendering myself to your hands. Now, what's going to happen is you're going to hear a little voice. And the unholy one is going to say to you, 
Ooh, not so fast. Uh, 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 what, if, what if Christ outs you? What if he makes you ashamed? What if he drags you, uh, 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 what if he drags you through embarrassment? Listen, listen. That is the voice of the unholy one. Christ has no, nothing to gain by shaming you. Christ has nothing to gain by uh, uh, humiliating you. Christ has nothing to gain by making your life worse. It's just the opposite. In his great love, by his great kindness, in the riches of his mercy and grace, he says to us, trust me. I care for you more than you can imagine. I have already shown you the depths of my love by sacrificing myself on the cross. Now trust me to finish my good work in you. Church. And so from Samson we learn God has done something great and unique in every one of us. But life and Satan have reciprocated and done something ugly in every one of us. We begin to think that we've got this and we'll figure it out and we'll get better ourselves. But instead, we slip into secret lives, lives that keep us from being who God created us to be. And we have to come to moments like this where we say, I can't, Christ can, and beginning today, I am seeking his face, I am surrendering myself to him, I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to seek him with all my heart so that this character flaw can be dealt with in a holy and beautiful way. Our dear Heavenly Father, I uh, am sorry for, uh, for the Samson I see in myself. I'm sorry for uh, the ugliness I know in my own soul. I am sorry for uh, deceiving myself and, and playing games. And today, I pray for myself and for everyone who is here. And I say, dear Heavenly Father, we can't, but Christ can. And so would you please, out of the riches of your mercy and grace, forgive, heal, and transform that which is worst about who we are. Would you please do a perfect work in us? Could the joy of the Lord be our strength? And then, Father, as you do your good work in us, could you please strengthen us that you could do your good work through us? And I ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.